part of it is we talk about um, being an individual and being congruent. Mm -hmm. So part of being in my own hoop is being congruent with who I am, being in my truth. But if my spouse is in her hoop and I'm in my hoop and we're being congruent, we're being authentic, we're really trying to own our stuff, the challenge is nobody's in the couple's hoop. And so what we're going to be wanting to encourage is one foot in my hoop, one foot in the couple's hoop, and we're going to call this interdependence, where I haven't lost myself, I've not given up who I am, I'm not living in the space of enmeshment, um, it's no longer that infatuation where I'm surrendering myself completely to the coupleship, but it's that place of ownership and investment in the couple's hoop. Right. We are back with part two of our discussion with Debbie Laser as our guest. Now, we had decided not to call her a guest anymore <laughs> since she is the co-founder and director of Faithful and True. So uh, I guess we're the, we're the guests. Yes. You know. uh, she's inviting us. She's inviting us to be a part of her Queen podcast. Bee, Queen Bee. She's the Queen Bee. Uh, Debbie Laser is with us again, of course, with Dr. Greg Miller, our host. And we're here to... Uh, continue the conversation about the uh, the hoops okay mm-hmm. so let's just set it up we began mm-hmm. last time talking about this idea of couples development and the progression that couples go through and we do use the image of these hula hoops and we'll show you a visual of that um, and what we see are two hoops that are together and then one in front of that so kind of a triangle of hoops and the two individual hoops represent a person's Um, identity, story, experiences, and then the individual hoop up front represents the couple's hoop. And when we left last time, um, we were talking about coping and how we can all have strategies of exiting our hoop and not being present with ourselves and not being present with each other. And But we also talked about that front hoop when we're in that being about enmeshment, infatuation, and it's also a positive part of the development of the couple's Um, story itself. Mm -hmm. What we forgot to tell our audience was that when you leave the enmeshment stage and move back to your hoop because life is waiting for you there and there may be some differences now that are showing up in the relationship, um, you've entered a new stage we call differentiation Mm -hmm. or individuation. And those two words are rather self-explanatory because we are trying to navigate the differences we have within our own life and we brought with us to that marriage while still finding ways of finding closeness in the marriage. So it's just a different stage. It's a stage of greater growth and um, ideally greater vulnerability and sharing and knowing who we are and living with each other even though we have differences in that marriage. You know, what I was aware of when you said that term is that part of healthy development is to develop the differentiated self. Mm-hmm. That as children, at some point, we have to begin to distinguish ourselves from our environment and distinguish ourselves from other people. So it makes okay. sense if we think of couples development in the same way that there's going to come some time where a part of healthy progress is to see who I am apart from the relationship. Right. And so in the early days, the focus is on the relationship. And What's true is enmeshment does have this negative term. 
Another piece could just be a hyper investment in the relationship. It's, it is the focus. It is the thing that for a season, our lives are revolving around. And what we know is that's not sustainable. And that's when we begin to identify who am I apart from this relationship in the context of this relationship? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we now have these coping <clears throat> strategies. And I, I think when I was first introduced to this, one of the things that was really helpful for me is to see when I am coping, when I am finding strategies to avoid the difficulty, the challenges, that part of my life that overwhelmed me, I am exiting my own life. Mm -hmm. um, I often say that part of the addiction is we are absent from our own lives um, because whatever is in our hoop feels too much for us. And maybe as a child, we didn't develop the skills necessary to navigate it, but we did watch others and observe others exiting their lives, and we learned how to do that ourselves. One of the great things about doing this exercise with couples and having them walk from the hoops to the couple's hoop and back to their hoop to differentiate from one another and then step outside of their hoop is we now have two couples. If we stop at this process and say, what do you notice about where you're standing? Um, it's an immediate awareness how far apart mm -hmm. they are from each other. And I think um, this is what really made sense to me in Mark's and my relationship is there were a lot of good things. Like you said, it's not all good, all bad. Mm. There were a lot of good things in our lives and in our marriage. And at times there felt like there was something missing. And I know at that time I could describe this coping that was going on by both of us where we could sense the distance between us, but we really didn't know how to talk about it or we didn't even know how to identify it. I didn't know that my withdrawing and being quiet was me being outside my hoop, you know, until I got into my own counseling process. So once we could start identifying those things, it, it is something we could work on inside of our hoop in a healthy way. And I think that... Um in the coupleship, we, we in some way intuitively identify the distance. You know, um, kind of the language that you use. I knew that something was off or missing in our relationship. I didn't know quite what that was. Um, a lot of the men that I've heard identify this, um, and maybe they wouldn't say that something was missing. It was that they wanted something more, more. Mm -hmm. that um, they, they couldn't identify how they were contributing to that. That's why I think that they exited their hoop sometime, believing that it was outside of their hoop. There were, they would discover this something more that they mm -hmm. were looking for. And in this place, there can be a lot of blame for their spouse that if she would just do this or if she was able to be like this, um, then this something more would be met, not realizing that it wasn't about the spouse. It was about something that was missing within them. There was something more that was possible, but it was their own growth, their own journey of becoming the person God created them to be versus something that was missing from their spouse. So we always talk to our couples at this point, you know, let's, let's figure out how we can solve this distance. And without a lot of professional help or awareness at that time, one of the easiest ways is to walk over to the other person's hoop and stand in there and start finding things that they could change mm -hmm. to make this a closer relationship. So that's where the criticism comes in and the blaming comes in. And we're focusing on the other person, which is, uh, I had a perfect session not too long ago with a couple. All they did was blame, blame, blame. She does this, he does that. You know, it's like we make no progress in that place. But the, the hope is 
that if we can get that figured out, if that person would change, um, then maybe we would be better. So right. I think the intent is right. It's just how they're going about it is not helpful. Yeah. You know, what? Yeah. what's interesting is if you look at the three hoops, so there's my hoop, my spouse's hoop, the couple's hoop, and then the outside space. Well, if my hoop doesn't feel safe because of whatever is in there, and the couple's hoop doesn't feel safe because of what's going on in the relationship, my two options are to be outside of my hoop coping or to be in my spouse's hoop. I'm just going to kind of be bouncing back and forth between those things. Well, in the coping space, I'm not owning or taking responsibility for my life. But when I'm in my spouse's hoop, I'm not taking responsibility and owning my life either. And the true place of ownership only occurs when I have the courage and the capacity to step into my space. Mm -hmm. You know, I often talk about the alternative to ownership is either blame or shame. Mm -hmm. And when I'm outside my hoop coping, I'm in shame. When I'm in my spouse's hoop, I'm blaming. But it's only in my hoop that I find ownership. And I think that that's, again, we talked in the last podcast about this dance. We don't set up camp in one place. Typically, we move around given whatever reactions or responses we're having. And this is kind of the place where a lot of couples, when they first come to see us, they're in that dance of blame and shame and not fully knowing how to own yet. And one of the things that we see for men is when their spouse is in their hoop, And maybe that is the critical place. Maybe that is the judgmental place or the blaming Mm -hmm. place. Um, We find an attempt to create safety by going deeper into the acting out, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Whether it's watching too much TV, working too hard, eating too much. um, It's the sexual acting out. And one of the things that's really important to know is even if my spouse is in my hoop and that is why I'm choosing to act out, it is not my spouse's fault. It is not me blaming my spouse because that's not going to serve me to say, well, if she wasn't in my hoop, I wouldn't be acting out. And again, mm-hmm. it's that blame, it's that energy of blame. Right. And it's about owning what is true for me, no matter where my spouse is in her hoop, my hoop, her coping. It's about me taking responsibility for my choices and my actions. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, audience, uh, have we totally lost you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking we might, but yeah. hopefully you will refer to that link that we're going to include in this podcast so that you can see pictures of the hoops and how that how that plays out with what we're talking mm-hmm. about. I, um, the main thing we're trying to tell you now is that we're taking couples through this exercise so that eventually they can identify where they think they are in their relationship. It's just a starting point. And so we'll have couples return to their own hoop at some point, get out of each other's hoops, get out of the outside place where they might be coping. And we have them come back to their own hoops so that we can show them a final stage of couples development that um, we believe is the healthy place for them to be and a vision that we're trying to create for them as we work with them mm-hmm. here. So uh, what does that look like, Greg? <laughs> well, and we, part of it is we talk about um, indi- being an individual and being congruent. Mm-hmm. So part of being in my ho- own hoop is being congruent with who I am, being in my truth. But if my spouse is in her hoop and I'm in my hoop and we're being congruent, we're being authentic, we're really trying to own our stuff, the challenge is nobody's in the couple's hoop. And so what we're going to be wanting to encourage is one foot in my hoop, one foot in the couple's hoop, 
and we're going to call this interdependence, where I haven't lost myself, I've not given up who I am, I'm not living in the space of enmeshment, um, it's no longer that infatuation where I'm surrendering myself completely to the coupleship, but it's that place of ownership and investment in the couple's hoop. Right. And it's a really sweet place of, you know, we have two feet and we've got one in our own hoop and one in the couple's hoop. And if both of them are doing that, I mean, some couples will say, well, why, why can't I have a hoop in, a leg in his hoop <laughs> or a foot in his hoop? Or, you know, they, they kind of have this idea that being married to someone means they get to control another person's life. But what we're trying to teach them is that, if we're working on being the best person we can be and our spouse is doing the same, then we can bring those aspects of who we are to our coupleship. And our job is not to try to shape and form our spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that is really their work as an adult today to work on those changes. So it's a great vision to show couples. And then we ask them usually to show us where their feet are. And like you said, sometimes it's a little bit like... Um, twister Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) and they've got a toe over here and another you know foot over there and kind of a hand over here and it's moving around and what we're seeking is again to be solidly planted in our own hoop with healthy choices safe communication with others and a, a place to be vulnerable and be known and create safety in there for ourselves so that we can trust ourselves and trust God that we can move into a relationship and know what we need to trust that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one of the things you, you said, and I think is so important, when a relationship becomes about control and power, it can no longer be about intimacy. Mm-hmm. And if what we truly desire is an intimate relationship with our spouse, when I step into that space and I, I do make it about control or power, then I'm really limiting the a space that can nurture the intimacy and connection. Mm-hmm. And w- one of the reasons that we want to bring power and control to a relationship is typically that was what was modeled for us. And really, this is a space of surrender where I'm taking responsibility for my life, I'm making contributions to the coupleship, and I'm surrendering to my spouse, trusting that he or she will be willing to do the same thing and make the same investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very different place to be in relationship, I would say. You know, while life can be very good and you can share a lot of wonderful things, raise children, go places, and enjoy life together, the intimacy that's created when you truly work on your own hoop and develop yourself as the best person you can be, um, there's so much more vibrancy to the coupleship and safety in the coupleship and sharing in the coupleship that is really for our couples that we work with certainly true I think for all of us that went through this journey ourselves a very different place one we have never been prior to our recovery experience and I think for a lot of couples you know the nature of their coupleship and maybe their their couple's health is really exposed when things are stressful, when kids are young, when schedules are busy, um, it's mm-hmm. very easy to you know, let the activity of the family become the focus of the coupleship versus there being connection and intimacy. And I think another time that it can be exposed is in that empty nest. You know, mm-hmm. when the kids are gone, when you don't have those schedules or those commitments or that focus 
then what can easily be exposed is the nature of the intimacy, whether it's present or absent, in the, the couple's hoop itself. Mm-hmm. I know I was working with someone a while ago, and they weren't ready to do couples work. And, you know, and she shared that. And there are some good reasons why people aren't ready to do that. If they haven't seen a spouse taking responsibility for their own behaviors or wanting to make changes there, um, there is no sense in trying to work on that couple's hoop if there isn't equal work going on in the individual hoops. And that is a belief of ours here. I know we've talked about that in prior podcasts. Three equal pieces is what's going to help this move along. However, if we delay working on couples' work and some of the the issues and triggers that happen when we're living life as a couple, our arguments, so to speak, differences, if we don't work on those, we miss a lot of the opportunity to really work on some of our deepest triggers and beliefs about ourselves. Um, So, you know, this woman told me that she's been sent off in her counseling process to work on herself for a year. It's been a year or two, actually. Um, And now maybe she's ready to work on the coupleship. Well, you know, we might want to encourage that coupleship sooner than that, if possible. If there's not a lot of toxicity and if they really can and are both invested in self-reflection and ownership, that it could be time to start talking about the things that are difficult in that couple's hoop because you are going to be triggered the most by the person you're closest to, which is your spouse. So I just bring that up in terms of um, any of us believing that, you know, I do really great when I'm not with my spouse. You know, I'm with my friends or I'm with my family, and we talk safely and we share things, and they love me and affirm me and, you know, all this stuff. But when I'm with my husband, Mm -hmm. you know, then it doesn't happen that way. And I remind them that is kind of the final championship game of relationship you know if you can get it right with that person you can win the trophy you know because we can it's not our investment in other relationships is not going to be as serious as the one we have the most to lose from which is our spouse Mm -hmm. you know one one of the things that i think happens is uh and again using where we are at faithful and true the the wife has been betrayed And sometimes for both the husband and wife, the idea is, well, I won't invest in the couple's hoop until I know it can go well. Mm -hmm. And if that's my mindset, then I will never invest in the couple's hoop because there's no guarantee it's going to go well. I think what shifts is when I can say, um, I'm going to invest in the couple's hoop because I have more confidence that I will be okay, that I can still be safe even if it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I almost, it's kind of like that idea of fear. I have to move towards the, the worst fear and believe even if that thing happens, ultimately I will be safe. Ultimately I can survive that. And that's what gives me the courage to try it because there's no guarantee, there, there just can't be, that everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I think it can be true, too, that for some couples, it, it has been so hard and difficult and painful that to make progress at all in that couple's hoop, they need help. And, you know, the, the topics are just too triggering for them to be able to talk about themselves. And even recognizing that is a step forward. You know, saying we struggle, say, with money issues all the time. We can't even have a discussion about that. Or sex, money, parenting, those are the three 
the top three as we define them here, <laughs> the, big three. Um, the big three. But um, the truth is sometimes we, we need help with all of those so that we can stay safe while we're trying to talk about those. And eventually as we gain those skills to do that on our own, we won't need to be in a counseling or pastoral situation where we have that kind of professional help. Um, but it's good for couples to to think about that. You know, we don't expect them to be able to go home, read a book, and put all these things in place themselves. Most of us have me- needed mentors to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I suspect that for some women, their resistance to working in the couple's hoop is their fear that if they start investing in the relationship again, that in somehow they're minimizing or dismissing the pain that has been caused Mm -hmm. that um, they're they're no longer hurting or it doesn't matter Um, and so one of the things that we want couples to understand is to work on the coupleship is not in any way to minimize the pain and the hurt that you've experienced and I I would assume that some women are afraid to work on the couple's hoop or even come to Faithful and True because they're afraid they're going to be blamed for their husband's um, actions. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I clearly want to communicate is um, for women who are concerned that if they start working on the couple's hoop, that maybe they're minimizing the pain that they've experienced, or if they're afraid that to work on the couple's hoop means they're going to be blamed for their husband's acting out, that that's not our approach here at all. No, it um, that, isn't. That we want the husband, and we know that until he starts owning his choices and actions and take responsibility for it, um, there won't be movement forward for him as an individual or for them as a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And it, it is our belief here, too, that we, we can't work on a marriage before a, cert, a few things are in place. Um, sobriety is one of them. Mm-hmm. So... If that's a piece that's in the husband's hoop that he struggled with acting out, that needs to be addressed first. And that's why oftentimes we recommend that he would go to our workshop or get into counseling for his own sobriety. Truth-telling is another one. Mm -hmm. We can't work on coupleship when there is continued lying and hiding about things. So sometimes our couple's work is merely helping someone to figure out a healthy, redemptive separation while some of the other work is going on in individual lives. Um, Sometimes our couple's work is about helping them with full disclosure or um, teaching them some of the educational pieces about where we want to take them, like this hoops demonstration. Mm -hmm. So it's not really about saying to her, which I know too often happens in our counseling sessions, and I hate to say it, but often in Christian counseling sessions, that she's half responsible for what the marriage looks like. And that's not necessarily true when we're talking about sex addiction. Right, exactly. And so we want to start with a place of all of us owning what we are doing or substances we're using that are getting in the way of us being a healthy person. And and that's on us. You Mm -hmm. know, it's nobody else's responsibility. Nothing they could have done makes me do anything that is not congruent with the person I want to be. So we start from that place, and uh, we do know that we all contribute to what a relationship looks like. We just want to be careful about when we introduce that concept. Right. One thing we would say is you cannot enter the couple's hoop from the outside of your own hoop. Mm 
So if, if you're still out coping, if you're still medicating, if you're exiting your own hoop, you can't enter the couple's hoop. So it's only when I'm in my hoop, owning my stuff, taking responsibility for my life, that I can even put a foot in the couple's hoop itself. And that's why, you know, we know that there really can't be effective couples work if someone is still in a coping strategy, um, in the addiction. Um, it's, it, it's much more effective when I'm able to own what I've done and then from that space step into the couple's hoop. Yep. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, you know, Deb alluded to earlier, we might have confused you with our movement around. And so um, if this is something that would be um, helpful for you or meaningful for you, there are resources available to look at it more in depth, the three hoops. And one thing just to be aware of is here at Faithful and Drew, we do a couples workshop. And this is one of the teachings that we do. And we demonstrate it to the couples um, and allow the couple to process it in real time. And so there are ways that we want to support couples um, on their journey moving forward. Now that you've tempted them and teased them with that, uh, our uh, one remaining couples workshop for 2021 is full, uh, but uh, we have posted on our website the dates that will be coming up in 2022, where you can look ahead, and uh, if uh, that couples workshop is of interest to you, um, contact us, give us a call, and we can tell you about the details. The details are also on the website uh, as well. Uh, we, this has been a great conversation. I, I appreciate Did both of you. Did we mix you up, Randy? <laughs> no, well, no. there's so much. I, I'm confused. <laughs> when does the limbo uh, exercise come in? That's, yeah. that, Did I remind you I won a hula hoop contest when I was yeah, I remember 40. you being a skilled hula hooper. Yeah, that's, I do remember Mark telling me about that one <laughs> once, way back when. But uh, we, we hope that our audience has appreciated and benefited from this uh, discussion today. Uh, as uh, Greg said earlier, click on the link that you'll see in the description, uh, which should bring you to more information about the, the hoops exercise. Uh, until then, we'd like to thank you for joining us for these two back-to-back -back, uh, podcasts about the uh, hula hoop health. And uh, we hope that the coming week for you is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and with great vision. <laughs>